First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. Praise the light of late November, says a poet, Barbara Crooker. The light of late November, the thin sunlight that goes deep in the bones. Plays the crows chattering in the oak trees, though they are clothed in night, they don't despair. Praise what little there is left, the small boats of milkweed pods, husks, hulls, shells, the architecture of trees. Praise the meadow of dried weeds. Yarrow, goldenrod, chicory, the remains of the summer. Praise the blue sky that hasn't cracked yet. Praise the sun slipping down behind the beech nuts, the quilt of leaves covering the grass, scarlet oak, sweet gum, sugar maple. Though darkness gathers, praise our crazy fallen world. It's all we've got, and it's never enough. How can we learn to do it? Remember to do this. Offer our praises even in November. Praise, which really means no more than noticing, really, paying attention, which is like paying your rent. How do we honor our days, number our days, place these little landmarks, markers, not staking claims in all of eternity, but in our own small bit of time. So it's not all just a blur, a flash, a wisp, and then it's all forgotten but something that can make sense to us, make sense of us, and come full circle at the end of a day or a week or a year or a whole lived life? How do you shape shapeless time, remember where you've come from, where you're going, and how the journey fits within a much larger whole? Holidays are one way. Thanksgiving comes around every year, not for the first time, not for the last, we hope. And some things are just as they've always been and evermore will be, for better or worse. And some things are different. Some recipes, they're set in stone, whether people like it or not. You just eat it every year or pass it to the dog under the table. Other things change or get thrown out. A cherished China gravy boat that belonged to somebody's great, great, great aunt so-and-so, the China boat without which the whole meal is not going to sail, gets broken one year. It's lost forever, along with the great aunt's name. In the moment of the shattering on the tile, she's gone forever from the earth as we will be too someday. But somehow, miraculously, completely different, just the same, the meal goes on. Loved ones die or don't come home, so sadness takes a seat at your table, maybe the largest chair, but also new babies come and new friends and lovers laughing, so all kinds of noisy new chairs are brought in and set around. The year rolls around and you take stock every time of what changes, what doesn't, around you, inside you. This is the numbering of days. This is what ritual is for, to hold time, not as an arrow, linear, moving from point A to point B, not like that, but as a circle, a shape we live inside. We create that shape. 
holidays, holy days, birthdays, Sunday morning in the little chaos of the week when maybe the most important thing we do in here is the silence or the music. And all we do is take a breath and remember we're here right now together. Or the familiar way a little child is put to bed, the way you greet the morning every day, coffee and the paper maybe, or meditation, or writing in the journal, or walking, or prayer, whatever it is. All these rituals and practices have a certain sanctity. They seem so ordinary, but in the repetition and the intention, the showing up, deliberate shaping of time, out of time, they're sacred. They help us keep time within endless time. And we listen for the music that will ground us, the memories we long for, the rhythm that reminds us who we are. Joy Harjo says, the world begins at your kitchen table. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared, set upon it. So it has been since creation, she says, and it will go on. Dogs and chickens are chased from it. Babies teeth on the corners, it's here that children are given instructions in what it means to be human. At this table, we gossip. We recall enemies and the ghosts of lovers. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children. They laugh at our poor falling down selves, and we put ourselves back together at the table. It's been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars begin and end here. It's a place to hide from terror, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We've given birth on this table and prepared our parents for burial. We sing with joy, with sorrow. We give thanks, she says at the table. And that might be the most raggedy blessing, the most graceless table grace, raucous with children and dogs and burned mac and cheese if your house is like mine, or deafening with silent loneliness if a person lives alone. It may not take much time or look remotely like holiness, but a table approached with the intention of reverence, a moment approached that way, becomes an altar in the kitchen, an altar in the world, and it's consecrated then. Consecration being one of the very few capacities that distinguishes humans from everything else that breathes. Noticing is blessing. Noticing is praise and sacrament. And it's not formal necessarily, just on purpose. And it's in the silence, maybe, at Thanksgiving, just before the meal starts, not usually a silent time at our house, or before the guests arrive, or maybe when they're gone, or at the end of the day, near the end of the year, at the close of the 11th month, on the edge of the threshold to those other whacked-out holidays right around the corner, It's in the stillness in the late afternoon on Thanksgiving that something like gratitude emerges, or it can, or something like amazement at your own abundance, food and family or friends or both, and a place to be enough to get by on. Something like prayer emerges, or it can, as questions you normally sort of try to push back that you normally don't have time for are finally invited in. You pull up a chair. And those questions have no easy answers. Like, why is there so much wealth in this world? And why is there so much poverty? 
I've heard it. I've heard it into my spot, okay? Disparity prevails, but we so rarely ask them truly. They bind us together, and they have no answers, but they hold us to our humanity, keep us human and humble, and call us sometimes to just the most reckless generosity and bravery and to radical, reverent compassion, to behavior that makes no sense as the market defines sense and love that's not logical. These are holy, ordinary questions. You place them on the altar of your table between the candles and the cranberries at Thanksgiving. You ask, how is it that hunger and abundance exist side by side? What am I entitled to? What is everyone entitled to? What do I need? How much fear, how much greed have crept under the door sill of my house or my heart? How am I going to respond now to the accident of my good fortune or the accident of poverty? What is the point of gratitude? And what better time than Thanksgiving to engage all the awkward, uncomfortable, urgent questions about Thanksgiving itself? all the bloody mythology of pilgrims and genocide, the whitewashing of all of us. Today's forum after the service is about the doctrine of discovery and the annual observance in Plymouth, Massachusetts, every year by thousands of Native people. Every year, the National Day of Mourning. And the forum is about not how can we hold all this with more guilt, but how can we hold it with honesty and hope. Flannery O'Connor, Catholic novelist, wrote an essay once in which she spoke about mystery and manners. Mystery for her had everything to do with everything that's not us, everything we don't understand, what she called God. And manners comprised for her all the ways we respond on purpose to the mystery. O'Connor was a woman of the Old South, a white woman. She understood that good manners are more than quaint social niceties. They can be means of radical social change, just as bad manners can ruin not just a dinner party, but a whole country or the state of your soul. A well-mannered person or community or religious tradition will respond to mystery with reverence and awe and gratitude, sometimes with remorse, with open eyes and ears and heart. And it would be a sign of ill manners in a person or a society or a church not to respond at all, to simply go through the basest motions of survival, living on fear and greed and negligence and apathy, paying no exquisite care at all to the beautiful world, asking no hard questions. Mystery, she said, is a great embarrassment to the modern mind. It's the business of art and religion to embody mystery through manners. The mystery of our position on earth, our human condition, such as it is, and manners are the conventions by which we reveal the mystery and answer it. The mystery is obvious, and the manners are all the ways we go out of our way the ways we unsettle ourselves on purpose, the prayers at the table, the gathering of the family, all the daily rituals of noticing brokenness and beauty. The poem that uh, Elliot gave us from Peter LaForge, I read it every year because I do that every year. I sit at the table and look at the people, friends, a family of friends, 
gathered over so much time, and I always forget, just like him. I should have said it. Between the wine and the grace, the wishing and the blessing, or between the stuffing and the pie, yet another moment when I just laughed it off and didn't do it. But just once before the end, he says, I should have cried, listen, before you go, I love you. I just wanted you to know. I think of the Thanksgivings of my childhood, all those years now merged into a single gauzy memory, which I embroider to my own liking, as memories are. Usually we didn't travel. Usually we had no guests. And for some reason, my father always took over the cooking, which was not a peaceful experience for him or for us. Why did, why did that happen? Nobody knows. So it was two tense days of intense tension and lots of smoking and swearing and a silence so thick you needed that electric carving knife to get through it. But finally, everything would just stop. And we did what we never did at any other meal in the year, my father would close his eyes and assume that we all had, but how could I? I wanted to see this. And after a really embarrassing eternity, he would say grace. He would bless our family, each of us by name, speaking the names of relatives we had never met, never would. And then he offered his thanks for everything, it seemed like for the food, for our house, for our car, for the good life we enjoyed. And here he would sometimes choke and we'd be like, well, what, is he crying? My brothers and I like, what? And we'd shift in our chairs and then I would snap my eyes shut, feeling suddenly like I was intruding on somebody's intimate thing here. And finally, he'd stammer out a blessing, bless this food to our use and our lives to good service. And then my brothers would start really coughing and snorting and giggling and kicking each other and under the chairs and knocking stuff over. And then it's over. We never prayed together at any other time. And as far as I know, none of us ever prayed alone. And now I know my father was remembering there the poverty of his childhood, which was right there on him all the time. And we never saw it, but he held it all year long. Getting to that table was like landing a plane in turbulent weather. But we got there every year. Miraculously, we got to the threshold of gratefulness, and time stopped there as we apprehended it. Amidst the clutter of our really messy lives, we marked out this sacred grove, this clearing. And some part of me goes home to that memory every year in November. And you have your own clearings you go to. Some time ago, I read that the words receive and give in English come from the same root word. The words guest and host also share an, an ancient root. This is good to know before Thanksgiving. What we offer is related to what and how we have received. What we're given becomes in time what we give back. Gratitude and generosity are related gestures in the same larger motion beating of a well-mannered heart. We read that the English word for thank, like danke in German, originally meant to think and feel. In French, merci means mercy, obviously. Gracias in Spanish is grace, which of course is gratitude. They're not empty obligations, 
We are guests and hosts, all of us, says one writer, God's guests, if you like, guests of the earth, guests of life. And sometimes we're allowed for a moment to play the role of host to another human being or several. Or to consider in November, darkening days, what kinds of hospitality our thankfulness calls us to after the guests go, after we return. How did it happen? How exactly did it happen that the day after Thanksgiving has become consecrated to shopping? Right? In fact, it's a whole week now. I can't even keep track of what cyber day this is. How is it that we run so fast from giving thanks, this word that holds in its molecular structure, both thinking and feeling, to the very opposite? If blasphemy were still a word we use, that's what this would be. Living as we do in the midst of such mystery, to run from gratitude seems like really bad manners. Living as we do in the midst of such misery and blessing, to not be grateful is really bad form. I invite you now to think ahead to Thursday, to wherever you will be this year for Thanksgiving. Join in a spirit of meditation. Just picture the scene. What will it be like at your table, the table where you are host or guest? Who will be present? Who will be absent by death or divorce or distance, whether geographical or emotional or both? Who will be kept away by old anger or new anger or prejudice or pain? Who cannot safely come home? And who will be welcomed back rejoicing? Who will be physically missing this year, but present in spirit, laughing and lively as ever, as if they were seated right there? Think on empty chairs and high chairs and long-ago children and still-to-come children all the way forward and back. Maybe you'll be alone this year and maybe lonesome, but maybe not. And what will you have? Old recipes on heirloom plates or maybe just something quietly reheated, something simple but sufficient. Wherever you are, whoever's there, may you sit at a table set with care, May there be upon it food ample enough to nourish your body for the next several hours. By grace and by your own will, may you shape something worthy of the energy it produces in your cells. Maybe that thing will be a prayer whispered while you wash the dishes, simple but sufficient. May there be time to ponder abundance, which is everywhere, and poverty, which is everywhere. And plain or fancy, may yours be a blessed feast. May love be a guest at your table, invited there by you, nourished there by you, and present there for you. May you eat and dwell in thankfulness. And know deeply that like the food on the plate and the wine in the glass, like the sun in the sky and the frost that brings sleep to the land, like everything that comes from mystery, you are a good gift worthy of blessing, and worthy of love. Amen. 